Welcome to Lydia Finette's Claim Your Confidence, a podcast that will introduce you to the most powerful women in the world as they talk about their own confidence journey. No matter what obstacles you face, Claim Your Confidence will inspire you, motivate you, and give you a roadmap to live the life you want. So, are you ready to claim your confidence? Welcome back, everyone. My name is Lydia Finette, and I am so delighted that you've decided to join me again this week on Claim Your Confidence. I'm sitting across from the cult hit Lily Sadugi, the accessories queen. I believe the moniker is the headband queen even, and she has brought her A-game today. We are in full sparkle mode in Newsstand Studio, and we are going to hear all about her confidence journey and the incredible rise of her business after a short break. Welcome back, everyone, to Claim Your Confidence. This is Lydia Finette. I'm broadcasting from Newsstand Studios in Rockefeller Center. It is a warm, muggy day here in New York City, even though it is fall. And today I am so excited to introduce many of you to someone who probably needs no introduction. Lily Sadugi is the accessories queen, the cult favorite of anything that you've ever wanted that is overstated, big, and beautiful. She kind of has been around for a long time, but hit fame around the headband craze in the 2018, 2019 years. Lily, welcome to the show. Thank you. So excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. And as I said before, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see this, but Lily has shown up in the most beautiful, sparkly headband. We have big earrings, a gorgeous necklace, green pants. I am here for all of it. Yes. I don't <laughs> reserve crystals and big pieces for fancy events. They're and this is a good one, but <laughs> I reserve it for the middle of the weekday like today. I love it. You sound like the person who is like, use your plates, use them yes. all, every single one of them As every I day. I do. I'll have China, you know, on a normal day and enjoy it. And just sometimes when you are around all those pretty things, it makes you feel or look a little bit better. I totally agree. I absolutely agree, especially on such a rainy day. So yes. let's start at the beginning of your life. Okay. You're Lily, but you also are Lisa, which we were discussing beforehand. You sort of have two names, but... Who was Lily when she was a little girl? Was she wearing headbands and everything that you're wearing today as well? It's funny, I never thought of myself as a headband gal, although I did recently go back to my college in Texas and I looked at the composite pictures of my sorority and I was wearing headbands yeah. in each of them. <laughs> so I've always worn something. I think it's really about just all accessories and matching and coordinating. And I just found so much joy in my little jumpsuit and wearing a matching bow Probably my mother started that when she would have us wear the big bows. You know, I'm an 80s child, so. From the South, from Dallas, right? From Dallas, yep. so that was just part of it. And I definitely remember going to a new school in third grade and a bunch of the girls were wearing the, you know, it was also popular to wear the biking shorts and the big oversized t-shirts and they were more sporty girls. And they asked me, why are you wearing that outfit? And I just was like, I love it. Like I loved the matching. I loved getting dressed and, you know, there are those people who dread it and they just want a uniform. And I am out here for those ladies that want to look extra special. I love that you acknowledge that because I do really love that about the South. You know, I grew up in Louisiana and my mom was a big and still is a big headband wearer. And we love the accessories. We love the color and living in New York City, which I know you did as well as mm -hmm. part of your journey. It is interesting because sometimes I'll wear things and I have friends in New York who often say to me like, 
I could never wear that. I'm like, absolutely, you could. And you feel great when you wear it because people comment. People comment when you wear color or they wear your headbands or, you know, we are, I'm sure wearing a pair of bright green pants in New York City is getting some compliments today. Yeah, why not? You know, how boring to just wear black all day long if you can express yourself in so many fun colors. And I get that all the time in our stores with someone come in. I don't know, I've never worn a headband. I'm like, okay, let's just try it out. Yeah. And you start them with a really thin little one and then they come back and they end up with the full-blown crystal set. And you can make yourself look chic in any of them. Yeah, absolutely. So did you love art, fashion? What was it that drew you into this world? I have always done art as a child and I'm the middle of three girls. Mm -hmm. We all had very different interests. My older one likes sports. My younger one is quite dramatic, probably should have been an actress. And I just loved painting, drawing, photography, collage, all of those things. Wasn't specifically tied to fashion, mm -hmm. but I just knew I needed to create. And it's just been in your makeup since the day you were born. Yes, yes, and always. Did you do that throughout high school and college? I did. I was one of those kids who did AP art and AP calculus. So it's kind of a little bit of both, like fully like left-handed, but can do a lot of things with my other hand. And I just feel like I could vacillate between both sides. And it's a lot about problem solving. And I think jewelry and, and accessories are not so two-dimensional. They're very three-dimensional and structural. So it's like a lot about thinking and spatial design. And that to me is super exciting. I feel like it's so rare to have someone who has both of those things. You know, you always hear about the creative who can't do anything on Excel and vice versa. The, you know, the person who sits in front of a computer all day and could never think up what you've done with your I empire. mean, I didn't say I can do Excel very well, but <laughs> there are things that I can do. You're like, pump the brakes on that yeah. one. <laughs> so you went to college for what? And did you even know that fashion was a job? Because I never really knew that fashion could be something that you did as a career until I moved to New York. Well, I thought about that because, you know, growing up and you even watch TV and movies and things and where people say, you know, I, you can't be an artist. You'll yeah. be a starving artist. You need to do something real with your life. Yeah. And my parents never discouraged it at all. Uh, you know, my father's a lawyer and he actually made me not want to be a lawyer. He's like, I should have been an architect, you know? So I think he was more excited about that creative element. Yeah. So I decided to do advertising and I thought that'd be the perfect balance between something that's quite quantitative and structural with something creative. But then I got into it and I was like, I don't want to do that. And then I wanted to get in fashion. <laughs> so did you leave college and try advertising and then you did a quick U-turn into fashion? I had a lot of internships during college and um, I was just mentioning, I just did a lecture for UT while I was here in New York. They have a program in New York and was speaking to them and they were just saying too, it's, the, it's like the number one college for advertising. So it was an awesome program. And I knew when I graduated, I wasn't going to do that. And mm -hmm. so I ended up moving to LA and, you know, found a job, like hustled, like went into boutiques. This is pre or during internet start. This was in 99. Yeah. That was the same year I graduated from college. Okay. I'm familiar with these oh, we're days. The same. Okay. So your first <laughs> job and your resume is like faxing it. Yes. And I went to all these boutiques on, in, you know, LA and looked at labels and like looked them up and faxed people. Like that's how I found my first job in fashion. And did you love it from the minute you walked in? Because I talked to a lot of women about 
working in the fashion industry. And, you know, I'm trying to remember who was on the podcast earlier who was saying that she was cleaning dust bunnies out of her shoe and she absolutely loved it. She was like in the sample closet, messengering things, but just the rush of taking things from point A to point B just felt like she was part of something bigger. Was that how you felt? Yeah, I was really lucky to start somewhere that was very small. It was Mm -hmm. the owner of the company who was also the pattern maker. Mm -hmm. There was a separate accountant and then there was a pattern cutter and that was it. Such a good learning experience. It was. And I learned all facets of the business. So I was printing out and creating line sheets. I was going out to the sample room with like yards of fabric under my arm. I was doing sales and I think ruined my back from, you know, wearing heels and carrying like trunks and things like that. (laughs) And so anywhere from design, sales, PR, planning, production, I was really able to do a lot. So my advice would be when you're just graduating, if you can work for a small company, you can really do impactful projects. You seem like you had a lot of confidence as a young, a younger person. I mean, even the hustle that you talk about going in and looking at labels and faxing your resume or whatever it was at that point to different companies. Was that who you were as a child too? Or was that something that you were gaining throughout your childhood into early adulthood? I'd say both. I'm still gaining. I'm still trying to gain more confidence. Absolutely. But I think there were a few impactful things that I did that gave me the courage to just continue. And I think about this now. I have my own kids, you know, they're eight and 10. And my son just went to sleepaway camp. He's had two years now. And I was explaining it to my husband who never had that opportunity. And I think that was one of the first times where I gained confidence and independence and doing my own thing and having being forced to make your own decisions at an early age. And from there, I was like, okay, I got it. I got the travel bug. Like I traveled abroad. You know, I went to London and like, was like, I'll figure out a place to live in a job. Like went there with a one-way ticket and had summers in so many different places from like Madrid and um, Costa Rica and just learned Spanish. So I think that after I graduated, I did have the confidence to move to LA, I'll get a job. It was also 1999 when every single person got a job. Yes. <laughs> and, and and 22 year olds were like starting their own tech business. Yes. So I think that around me, um, it seemed easy. And I think when you have that confidence, it you exude it and you will do well in an interview. Yeah. And I think probably youth is a beautiful thing in that way because you don't really worry so much. You know, in many ways, the stakes are not quite as high. You know, you're not married with children or you don't have children and you're not so concerned about making sure that the world is a little bit more structured around you, which is also a great way to live life as it turns out. So embrace that if you're in your 20s. When I finished college, I was able to support myself. But if something were to happen, you know, I have a supporting family that could help me. So, you know, having that support also helps. Yeah, absolutely. With those decisions. Absolutely. So you went to London, you mentioned, and that was for fashion, correct? Yes, I was. I was in L.A. for a couple of years. I knew that I wanted to kind of live on both coasts. I grew up in Dallas, but I knew that there were other places where I wanted to live. And so, you know, I worked for that small design company for a few years in L.A. and decided to have a more formal education in fashion at Central St. Martin's. And I went for like a design course there, like a certificate program and perfected and created a portfolio. Mm. So the last time in my life that I think I would have time to sit and sketch and make pretty things to make a beautiful book for interviewing. Mm -hmm. And I made the book and it was such an amazing summer and went to New York again without a job and found one. And what was that job? 
Rebecca Taylor. Oh, Rebecca Taylor. Yes. I love that brand. Uh, full of embellishments and embroideries and just like such exuding such femininity. And at the time, it was such a small company. There were like maybe 20 people or less. And, you know, they were impressed with my portfolio because I had worked on it, even <laughs> though I had studied advertising. Yeah. So it's a little bit about, you know, if you don't necessarily know what you want to do when you're studying, you can figure it out after. So I kind of learned on the job and I started as an assistant designer and managed all the pattern makers. And you loved so, that? Or was that just sort of one more thing that you were adding into your toolbox? I'd say both. I'd say that wasn't the end all be all. Um, I think I loved that I was learning something new. And then an opportunity arose where one girl left or something happened and they asked me to design trims. And I hadn't necessarily thought about that, but all the details, all the buttons and the ribbons and the bows and the brooches and the, the little pieces. And that's where I fell in love with embellishments, which is basically what I do now. Yeah, absolutely. You're like a magpie, completely attracted to all the things that sparkle. Yes. And that was actually just the theme of like one of my collections that's coming out too, is basically a magpie, like just collecting all these things. I mean, my vintage collection is huge. I'm sure. And I appreciate the craft of things through the decades. It's funny, I always think about this when people talk about not really staying in industries for very long times now as part of the generation that is coming up in the workforce. And I do think one of my favorite phases that I heard a lot in my company growing up was uh, nine tenths of getting promoted is just showing up for work because <laughs> <laughs> eventually someone will leave and then you can take their job. And that yeah. was certainly what happened to me. And it sounds like a little bit like what happened to you as well. Yeah, it's so much circumstantial and you know, life has changed in work now with hybrid and mm -hmm. with everything. But before that, the more you're there, the more opportunity you have to do different things. Yeah. For instance, when I was at Rebecca, they liked my portfolio because I was able to do all this drawing. And there was an opportunity that Rebecca wanted this beautiful watercolor fairy. And she had seen something that I had done and asked me to design a print. I'm not a print designer, but she saw that and I was there and it was late at night and like, let's do this and let's try this. So I'm sitting there with the silk, like drawing this fairy that ended up being produced. And I still kept, cause it was in the Bergdorf Goodman catalog oh my of this gosh. lady contrapposto, like leaning with her beautiful fairy dress against this like upholstered shell, like sofa. Oh my gosh. So that was a fun moment where it's a combination of opportunity and, you know, hustle. Your next step, and we talked about this when you walked in, was J. Crew, mm -hmm. which at the time was really the hottest company around. Jenna Lyons was the creative director. And I mean, I can remember getting those catalogs with the chambray shirts and the sequin skirts, and it was just this revolution. And you came in at exactly the right time because I remember the J. Crew jewelry. I yeah. still have the J. Crew jewelry, probably yes. that you designed. Yes. How did that happen? Oh my. Well, before that, I had moved to do some private label jewelry mm -hmm. for Ippolita for a couple of years. And that was through a friend of mine. And I was only there for five months. They hired me and then they downsized. They don't even have private label anymore. It's just her line. And so another friend of mine, that's where I'm saying, use all the network, all the networking that you can, yeah. because you never know who you're going to meet up with again that you've done in the past. Yeah. And so 
it was an exploratory interview. There was no jewelry at the time, so it wasn't even on my radar. And I met with someone there and they said, I'm going to bring you back to have to talk to Jenna. And at the time, Jenna was head of women's. No one outside of J. Crew knew who she was. Mm-hmm. And so I met with her and she said, we're thinking of doing jewelry. And I didn't say it out loud, but I'm thinking I've only been done jewelry for five months, but okay, let's, <laughs> let's do this. I am the master of jewelry. Yes. Yeah, here I am. But that's where the confidence comes in yes. where I'm like, I think I can do this. Yeah. So she gave me a budget, make a mood board, come back. What is J. Crew jewelry? I'm like, this is a challenge that I will accept. And it was all those years of Rebecca Taylor and it yes. just kind of coming to yeah, fruition. I, I can close my eyes and I know everything between like 30th Street and 37th Street, you know, in the center of, of the city and where I'd go to get the buttons and the ribbons and the, you know, do the painting and do the beadwork and do all of this kind of stuff. And so I also had a strong sense of what I liked and it just happened to align with with J. Crew also being such a happy and joyful brand. Mm-hmm. And so, and l- loving color, which is, those are like my brand DNA right now. Yeah. And I remember that Jenna wanted, she was working on these like little, they were trying to do jewelry and she's had these little coral things that look like little red chili peppers on this like gold chain and wanted to do delicate and thought, if you're gonna do it, it should be real. If it's coral, it should be real. If it's pearl, it should be real. It should be diamond, not crystal. And if you think about J. Crew jewelry, it's like pearls and crystals and, yeah. you know, yeah. resin and all that kind of stuff. So I was able to take it into a, a direction that people really responded. They they just loved the pearls, the layering, the wearing 10 necklaces at a time, mm-hmm. more is more. I also think that when you have the opportunity to start a new category in like an iconic company, there's not that much pressure because there's no history of it. So, you know, my counterparts in design that were doing cashmere or denim, like they had a lot, they had to comp last year's sales Mm -hmm. and they didn't pay that much attention to me. Like, oh, whatever, you're trying a little bit of jewelry here and there, it's not a huge investment. And I started um, making some fun things and it just got bigger and bigger. And at one point, I think it was a $60 million revenue line. Is that correct? Yeah. Or something to that extent? Yeah, it was huge. It was great. It was so exciting when I would just see people on the street wearing the jewelry. And yeah. today, still, people like you were talking about it and you have it in your closet. And I think it's time to pull it out again. I've, I know. It's big as coming back. And I'm so excited. I because just read that this morning. Did you? Statement pieces, statement necklaces, statement earrings. Everything's coming back. I was like, I didn't know that they'd left. So I'm glad to um, know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I stick to my DNA, which I think when you said like the accessories queen or whatever and being ma- maximal and colorful, like that's exactly what I like. And yeah. I think to be successful, you have to just be secure and confident in your style. Yes. And you don't, and you want to have an identity. Yeah. So I'm big and colorful and um, it's about to rain more of that. So I'm really excited. I love it. So I went to the Southern Summit a couple of years ago, which is put on in Sea Island, Georgia. And I remember a woman was speaking about branding, about personal branding and saying that you should be able to look at someone's brand and be able to describe it in three words. And you keep coming back to that, which means that you've done such an incredible job of creating that on your own. So you did this for J. Crew, and then you left J. Crew. Why? And I mean, it sounded like everything was going so well. What was the impetus for the, the move? Well, I was there for five years, mm-hmm. which was amazing. 
And at a time when the company went public, private, public, and Jenna became not just, you know, head of women's, but creative director and president. And I was actually still reporting to her Uh because I think she really liked the feel and the touch of jewelry and was still nurturing it, Mm -hmm. whereas everyone else in design was going to the new head of design. And it was just such an awesome time to be there. And I think personally, I also had just gotten engaged and I was thinking about being more flexible with my life and Mm -hmm. maybe having the confidence after doing this for so many years that I could do my own thing. Mm -hmm. So it was a mixture of just where I was in my personal life. And so where did you go? I said, I'm gonna do my own thing. And how did that go? It's going great. It's been over a decade and I'm still doing my own thing. Although I was just starting and then Tori Birch approached me. And so all of a sudden you have torn feelings, I'm sure. So I took another job. So you took another job. And then I was pregnant. So I had all three things happening at the same time. Oh my goodness. And, you know, that's where you have to make decisions in life. Like that's an amazing decision where I'm ha- I got to decide between doing my own line, continuing at Tori Birch designing jewelry and, you know, obviously having a child. So I kept my child in my line and Tori was awesome when I first started working with entrepreneurs. She's like, I know you have your line so you can work a few days a week and do your hours and make it all happen. And I think, you know, the the challenging thing is just being realistic. Like I actually can't do all of these things. I kind of got to narrow it down so I could focus and be good at two things rather than three. So what year was this? When did you launch Lily Sadugi? Lily Sadugi, we launched in 2000 and so we're about 11 years. So 2006, 2007 or so. And what did you launch with? What was the first product? Sorry, 2011. 2011. Yes. And what did you launch with? So I launched as jewelry and a lot of people know me as headbands, but that came many years later. Right. So my first season was spring of 2012. So I started working on it in 2011 and I found working for companies like J. Crew and Tory Birch that there was a bit of a void in the market mm-hmm. for this kind of mid-tier, high-quality jewelry. And you can have very expensive costume jewelry. It's very theatrical. It might be a little dramatic and not like the crystals that I'm just cruising in from Rock Center. <laughs> and then you can find things that's really fast fashion that don't have that quality mm-hmm. and definitely have a low sticker, but you expect that and you're fine if you wear it once or twice. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do something that was attainable. I wanted to do something that had good quality. And I had learned so much about what is reasonable to make and buy. Like you can do beautiful cut glass. Mm-hmm. And you can do crystals and you can do genuine stone and which stones are more affordable than others. Like you can do amethyst and dyed halite and marble and and pieces like that. And you can do these genuine stones. You just have to be educated as to what you can do quality and a good price point. And when you were starting all of this out, jewelry, because it was sort of your love and what you knew how to do, where did you take the business? Because you'd said earlier you have this analytical style, this mathematical brain, and then you also have the creative. So as a businesswoman, I'm sure you're a force to be reckoned mm-hmm. with. But what were you thinking when you hit that first jewelry line? Did this to you look like an accessories company where you would be making everything? Or was this really about that price point jewelry? 
I think I wasn't thinking, and I think that if I thought too much about it, I would not have had the confidence to actually start on my own. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is easy. This is great. I'm just going to, you know, focus and create a line. And you have to have good support with you. My husband was really instrumental from the beginning. He's like, you need a website. And he works in finance. Yeah. And figured out how to do a website. This is before Shopify, which is the easiest thing for any of you guys starting out your own business. Yeah. Give us some blueprint. Give us a bullet point. Use Shopify now because it is it's totally user-friendly. And it was before Instagram. So there wasn't the pressure that you have to build this following and wholesale was king and magazines were as well. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of press from J. Crew. People knew who I was for what I did and a lot of recent articles about it. And a lot of people knew it and love it and collected it. So I was able to get a lot of appointments and a lot of press, you know, they're only going to bite if they like it. But right. the first place that I ever sold to was Neiman Marcus. Oh, that must be nice. Yeah, they're from, from Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, exactly. Of so that was really special too. And, you know, after I accepted, I had to learn what EDI was and all this stuff, which What's is EDI? The, it's the electronic uh, transfer of the order. And it's like, you have to do color codes and it's a whole process. It's not just like, here's a purchase order and can you mail it to me? Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of transmissions that had to be done and figured it out. You just mentioned something that must be very interesting. When you started your business, Instagram did not exist. Yeah. And here in 2023, Instagram is a massive driver of business. So what was social media like for you to navigate, especially as a brand that I'm sure on social media absolutely crushes it because it's so visual and it's so beautiful. And we literally frame your face. And you frame your face. Yes. With our headbands, with our glasses and jewelry and necklaces. And I didn't even think about that. But with Instagram, it's just, it's the perfect like product. Yeah. And before that, We, you know, a lot of people do fine jewelry, dainty jewelry. I always did big, colorful pieces, which resonate really well in print and in photography. So when I first started, we got a lot of really good press in magazines. And, you know, I was in department stores, which I leaned on for advertising. They're less relevant now because you can advertise on your own in social media. Yeah. And so how have you used social media since it started? I mean, were you one of the early adapters of Instagram? Were you blogging to Instagram? How did it all evolve for you? I think I was on average where people started to do it. If Mm -hmm. I was, I think those people that did it really early got a huge following really quickly. I mean, now it's like trickling in a little bit more and more and more. You have to work really hard to, to gain followers. Yeah. So I got into it probably... At a time where I can't imagine starting now and having no followers and feeling like I need something just to feel established. Yeah. So I was like, we were all in it together. We all had a few thousand and then got to 10,000 to 100,000. And it kind of grew with the brand and with other people doing it at the same time. Yeah. I imagine the pandemic was a really interesting time for you. No one was going anywhere and yet everybody was on screen. How did that all work? I had a record year. I was I, I was mean, actually wondering that because I do was, feel like people were in sweatpants and then all of a sudden people started showing up. And I also made the most important accessory of the year. Masks. That was COVID. Oh, masks. Jeweled masks that match your headband, printed masks that match your accessories. And I, at first I was reluctant, like, why am I making masks? And then when the CDC said that you should just throw, pull out your own bandana, Remember when they said that after oh, yeah. they said, okay. Sure. So I was like, well, I can do better than that. <laughs> You're and, like, I can beautify this. Oh yeah. And 
it was all the essence of timing, the supply, the demand, like people couldn't even get any masks. Yeah. And we were able to get it done. And I didn't have a model. I didn't even have a sample yet. It was being made. I had tested a few and I was, I really wanted, I had like a dart, so it was tapered. I really wanted to fit. I did this like super soft cotton netting with like little holes in it. Obviously it was tested for breathability and just really perfected it and didn't have time to get a sample yet, but I wanted to put it out there. Yeah. Enlisted an illustrator and sold off of a drawing where she's wearing a matching seersucker headband with like little pearls on it and a matching seersucker mask with like little pearls and sold thousands. I can't even imagine. I'm, I'm pretty sure that my children had these because I definitely remember running across a picture last year that made me laugh out loud of all three of my children wearing seersucker masks. And I just remember looking at it and being like, what world were we living in? I mean, we just adapted in such an interesting way, but still trying to yeah. hold on to this beauty that we all love and are attracted to in any way, shape or form that we could. Yeah, I mean, it was terrible. Nobody wanted to wear that. But if there's something that can make you smile, even though no one can see it because yeah. it was hidden, yeah. but something that can make <laughs> you a little happy, then if I could be a part of somebody making themselves feel better, then I'm all for it. Yeah. It's funny. I had uh, Nell Diamond on to talk about Hill House Home recently. And we were talking about that moment in the pandemic where all of a sudden people started showing up in a different way for work meetings on Zoom. You know, everybody was sort of like just making it through barely. And then all of a sudden one person would show up in something looking a little nicer. And then it sort of trickled through the office. And all of a sudden I feel like everybody was getting dressed up, but you could tell it was just top down. There was like nothing. Oh, yeah. And to this day, I mean, I took auctions during the pandemic and I remember going to take the first auction. And I said in my book, it was like duct tape and popsicle sticks holding up the computer screens to take the auction. And I'm in my living room alone and I would put on a cocktail dress and I was looking at myself on the screen thinking, wait, I can't dress on a cocktail dress. Nobody can see anything except for my shoulders. I need accessories. And I remember putting on a pair of your earrings, like you're big, you have those beautiful oh, yeah. big turquoise, like the triple yeah. turquoise ones, but they're huge. Yeah. And somebody texted me after, they're like, I Where'd absolutely you get love your earrings. Exactly. Oh. And I purchased them pre-pandemic. Um, so they'd just been sitting there, but I realized that I needed something on screen that was going to actually make me pop and not just be like, a you know, a cocktail, the top of a cocktail dress. So you you pulled me through the pandemic too, oh, Lily. I mean, I, I was in tears with with some of the stories that I've heard, you know, I had to cancel my wedding and I'm so upset, but I just bought myself a jeweled headband and I'm sitting by myself drinking a glass of wine and it just makes me happy. And I'm oh. like, oh my God, like, <laughs> I'm so sorry, but you know what? You're a princess and put on that crown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're like, and I have more sparkles for you. Keep going. Yes, <laughs> Keep yes. going. So when did you decide to keep going? As I just said, like, how did you get from jewelry to headbands and now so much more? Oh, I know we have like I don't know, over a dozen, 15 different categories right now. Anything from handbags to sunglasses, to collars, to belts, jewelry, headbands. I mean, it just you goes name on it, you and name on. it. And every day I'm thinking like, what other category can I do? It's just so fun. Like I'm getting into home now. I'm doing, you know, some little jeweled napkin rings and some placemats. And I just feel like you don't just have to decorate yourself. You can decorate your home. You've had such an amazing ride that you started. It's all going so well. Was there ever a moment where you didn't feel like it was going well? Have you ever had a moment where you paused and you were like, 
this is not working. There's too much. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Do you have those days? Because I yeah, feel like every that is part day of the at some point journey. in your <laughs> life, yeah. I would say every day something happens and there's a challenge and you wake up and I've had like seven challenges before I've seen you today. And you just have to just go with one by one and keep going. Is that your strategy? Just take it one at a time? You have to. And I am shocked that I made it here on time with what I had to do before. It all just, sometimes I don't leave enough room for chance and yeah. space. And so I I think also maybe as women who are have to multitask, mm -hmm. you know, you work, but you're a mother and like, you just, you have to do both. Yeah. I think that I've been around, I've had to learn how to problem solve mm -hmm. and get as much done as possible and be okay not getting it all done. Yeah. And I think that that's the key too, when you give yourself the grace to be like, you know what, today is not the day I can do all of those five things. And maybe I'll do three and feel like a normal person as opposed to trying to do everything. Yes. Because I do feel like that is such that perfectionism that we all get caught up in. As an entrepreneur with two children. Yes. What do you do to balance that out? Like, how do you show them what you do? Do you bring them along or do you really keep it sort of business and, and life? I totally bring them along as much as I can. I think it's exciting for them to see, you know, an entrepreneur. It's really easy to understand. I mean, my husband's in finance and he helps and he does a lot with the business. Also the real estate and the store expansion. And, you know, we've, as a family, opened up every store. We were in Nashville last week. Oh, that's great. We bring them all up, along. We brought them all along, mm -hmm. cut the ribbon together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my son is merchandising the headbands like on the side and my daughter's <laughs> passing out cookies. And it's really a family affair. And I feel like what I do is very tangible and definable. And yeah. they, they understand mommy makes accessories and they see it, you know, it's harder to explain like finance. Yes and uh, other things like that, but they get it and it's exciting. And when I see them, like my daughter wears something, they're like, my mommy made this, like, ah, I melt. I know, yeah. I feel like anytime your kids say that, it's like the biggest compliment, you know? Oh yeah, it's really, it's really cute. So what comes next for you? What comes next? I always need to create. I happen to be doing accessories right now. I mean, I could do so many other things. And I think that if I stick to my DNA of making things that are joyful and colorful and maximal, it could really be anything. I mean, I feel like I'd want to do the interior of, you know, where we are right now inside this booth and add some color and sparkle oh, and Joe, things like out. that. <laughs> Joe's going to come back. I and... see a little turquoise accent on you. We could, we could, uh, Put that out in the room and really express your style and where you are. We'll have a completely blinged out newsstand studios moving forward. Only crystals <laughs> in here. So people will walk by and know it. I love it. Yes. I absolutely love it. Yes. And so you'll be expanding to new stores or do you feel like you have the footprint and you're done for now? We are. I mean, we've opened up three in the, this past year. So I need a little bit of a break. Just open up one, you know, as I mentioned, like a few days ago. So we're in New York on Bleecker Street and Newport, California and Dallas Highland Park Village, Houston and now Nashville. So yeah, looking to expand. We've got some markets that we know that do well. And it's, as we mentioned before, it's like all about opportunity and what's on your list and having it kind of get together. So Lily, where can our listeners find you? Okay. We are online at lilisadugi.com. And, you know, if you just put in L-E-L-E, -E, you will find me. As many people, when we first start an interview, say, how do you pronounce your name? And so you can find us that way. And we're also at Neiman's and Nordstrom and Saks and Bloomies, Revolve, Shopop, many other places too. So I hopefully you can find me in one of those, one of those places. 
Well, Lily, thank you so much for stopping by Newsstand Studios today. As you said, I know you have so many things that happened before this. So the fact that you made it here and look so beautiful and oh, glamorous. Well, thank you. I you as am well. so impressed. I know I happen to we, be in green as we well. Got the, I love good coordination and I feel like you and I are really coordinating today. So I feel the same. And we did not plan that, just so you guys know. It was complete fate. So as you guys know, I always like to end with a question to our listeners. You talk so much about being authentic and that your brand really reflects who you are. If you're an entrepreneur out there or if you're someone who's starting a brand, what are you doing to make sure that you are reflected in everything you do? Because there is no question that Lily is the master of that. So if you guys want to DM me or Lily with the response to that, I know we will look forward to that. To everyone who's tuned in, I want to thank you once again for being here. Thank you to Joe. Thank you to Rockefeller Center for this podcast and our lovely newsstand studios with our glass front. So please stop by the next time you come. I'm Lydia Finette. Tune in again next Tuesday for Claim Your Confidence.